Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on homeowner's insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you have a cute little reading nook for those rainy days when you want to curl up with a good book, but you don't even read, so you just sit in there during thunderstorms and scroll through memes on your phone and laugh in the darkness. <laughs> the GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the dark, meme-filled corner you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on homeowner's insurance. GEICO presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. About the kitchen. Turns out when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit Geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. This is one-on-one -on -one with Jasper Cole, Hollywood's bad guy, and so much more. Actor, talent manager, producer, and more. Now he's sitting down with today's top newsmakers from entertainment, politics, pop culture, and beyond. This is one-on-one -on -one with Jasper Cole. All right. Howdy, howdy, howdy. And welcome to one-on-one -on -one with Jasper Cole. This is your host, Mr. Jasper Cole, coming to you live from Temple Base Studios right here in Hollyweird. Wow, that was a lot to say. Hollyweird, California. And I want to give a big shout out to my producer extraordinaire, Mr. John Williams. Hey, Jasper. So nice to have you in the studio. Yeah, it's actually great to be back <laughs> i know because you you're always doing everything behind the behind scenes behind the scenes yeah i haven't heard your voice in a while it's been a while well the audience hasn't right. i hear your voice all the time <laughs> right so you, do you like the new digs here oh, it's beautiful yeah, yeah. yeah very every legend is built this one starts with a frame we raised a great stature and gave it a name the bmw x7 it's the biggest one yet fitting power and style the best you can get an all-leather interior it's luxury shows so we kept it right up for all of three rows with its dynamic driving you chase your desires the true mark of this legend is how it inspires the first ever bmw x7 make every day legendary exceptional offers through bmw financial services at bmwnyc.com bmw of manhattan driven by more serene and beautiful yeah incense are burning mm -hmm. kumbaya mm-hmm <laughs> <laughs> Temple Base Studios. Studios. A lot of history yeah. here. Yeah. Gone with the Wind was scored here. Wow. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's Hollywood. They could make it, they could say whatever. Anyway, yeah. everyone, please follow us on social media, uh, 101 with Jasper Cole, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 101 J Cole is Instagram and Twitter. And uh, my website, jaspercole.com. But I want to start off by today letting everyone know that this is going to be the first of uh, several episodes that we're going to do highlighting, spotlighting, uh, talking about the homeless epidemic. Sadly, it is an epidemic, yeah. not just in Los Angeles, but across the country. And uh, we're so honored to have a very special guest today who I just found out also had a radio show at UBN. Um, we'll get, could talk about that as well, but please welcome the beautiful, all the way from Australia, Georgia Van Kleinberg. Kleinberg, <laughs> say it. Is that right? <laughs> it's pretty good. Say, it's, people have been getting it wrong for years. Kylenberg. Kylenberg. That's a mouthful. It is. Thank you so much for joining in us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So we were just chatting a little bit that uh, she also had a show at UBN, and that's yeah. how that's how you and yeah, JW, we John, know we each other? Our, you're our guy. He was wow. around the boards and yeah. did everything with us. So. Absolutely. So tell everyone, first of all, about your artsbridgingthegap.org organization. Yeah. So um, I will just do it really briefly because although it's very wonderful and amazing and I love it, our work with the population experience homelessness is very disparate. Most of my work comes separate of that. Right. But Arts Bridging the Gap does arts education to bridge the gap for uh, achievement gap and community gaps for underserved youth. Which is so great. It is great. I love I it. Mean, we actually just painted a mural two blocks from here. have it, but yeah. Yeah, it it is a pity. There's no arts in schools predominantly. Right. And interestingly enough, if you want me to get systems level right away with homelessness, yeah. um, when we do a deep system map 
of the homelessness crisis in America, it actually, when I was doing it years ago, trying to work out what is that instigating moment, it really was the education quality of America. And lack of. That, yes. When I say quality, I mean not good quality. Right, right. Non-existent. Exactly. And look, I don't mean to speak negatively about there are a lot of good schools Mm -hmm. out there. There's a lot of good educators, incredible teachers. But the problem is that there's so many kids at that lower income school level who have one teacher to 100 And that great teacher who had all the best intentions to be that great teacher has 100 kids to focus on. And if there's 20 kids in there that have some sort of learning challenge or some sort of trauma that they're bringing into the classroom, the message from that age on is you don't matter. I can't give you attention. Your diagnosis is, you know, you're an annoying child. And that's when they start to buck the system because the system doesn't care about care them. them. So just to go straight into it, yes, I do do arts education to bridge the achievement gap because that's a great way to get kids to express the things that are going to stop them from learning. Right. If they've got trauma, if they've got confusion, if they're not understanding who they are and they get a chance to have arts – then they might focus on math and English. Right. So that was part of it. And then the other thing was if we we bring LAPD officers and kids together, we bring affluent and underserved kids together. So it's about creating bridges in the gap of communities instantly so that as those people grow up, they don't have that bias to mm-hmm. each other. Right. So there's a lot to it. But yes, that's how it's bridging the gap. That's the first. Well, I know because you, you were involved in so many different philanthropic yes. and nonprofit. But going back to being from Australia, what what sort of got you interested in be, working nonprofit and being involved in this kind of work? Were you doing that Growing up in Australia, you were you exposed to that, it? Or? Um, I was very young when I left, so although I had been volunteering, I've always... I just love people. Yeah. And I love that feeling of connection with someone that you don't think you could have a connection mm-hmm. with. Yeah, I think so many people cut themselves off to a truly rich life, and I mean rich in the full sense as right. opposed to money sense, because they don't interact or engage with those that aren't exactly like them. Right. They think they have nothing in common. Yeah. And they they don't want to go outside of that boundary and for me I always pushed that that was an issue with my family I was like literally I've were you the rebel never told you this. oh I was the friendly rebel I never got in trouble <laughs> right. I never did anything wrong but you asked a lot of but, questions oh I asked a lot of questions why 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 <laughs> is that that way why can't I talk to that person why can't I go over the there inqu- why don't the we talk to those inequality people? oh my goodness and my standard line as a kid was hello friends <laughs> to absolutely any room my parents put me in to the point where they're like okay not that room I was like, right. but I want to. They're my friends. So I be I was volunteering with uh, children experiencing uh, physical dis and uh, different special needs uh, when I was young. Um, that I did because I wanted to myself. But then when I moved here, everything was about using entertainment to spread positive messages. That's right. why I moved. So I made that decision at 12. At four and a half, I knew I wanted to use entertainment to make people happy. At 12, I knew I wanted to move to Hollywood to use that media machine to spread positive messages. Wow. And yeah, I've made that commitment. No drinking, no smoking, no drugs, positive lifestyle. And I was going to move to Hollywood and well, that came later. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> right. That yeah. happened and after you got here. Because <laughs> it's Hollywood. Like you said, um, I've actually really enjoyed continuing not to do any of that. Right. Just like people look at me like, never. Uh, I'm like, please. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's overrated. It really, yeah. you know what? I've never had a hungover. Thank hangover. You. See, I can't so even say it can suck the soul out of you, but Georgia puts it back in you with all that <laughs> right. love and positivity. Really? But, you, but you also look like such a California girl. <laughs> well, so, Jess, but that's the secret right? sauce of this all. That's how you sneak in and you're, you're mm-hmm. helping them before they realize it. Well, that's, it's actually, I would say it's the other way around. Because the way I look has the communities that I want to serve doubting me. Right. Initially. You've got to prove yourself. It, yeah, it totally my blonde hair and tan skin and big smile puts them at a defensive sometimes. 
there's a certain community that it puts them not at a defensive, right. but that's not necessarily a good thing. But you're not trying uh, to help those no, people. No, well, I want to help them with a Right. Um, <laughs> and I do actually, you know, it's one of my friend, new friends experiencing homelessness. I had a, his, you guys might have met him, AO. He walks around here a lot. And um, we had a good 30-minute conversation on Saturday and he was explaining a lot about, you know, his story, which he believes he's been buried here and he's, you know, he's schizophrenic and Mm -hmm. we were just talking through all of it and we were getting on so well and then right at the end he's like if you ever want a slumber party and I was like oh hey oh we were doing so well but at least he waited till the end yeah (laughs) Yeah. which is not you know I could say way worse about men who are not schizophrenic (laughs) in this city so go AO yeah you're one above but um Anyway, so the positive messaging was a big part of it. But to get to your deeper question of why the nonprofit work, I really, at my young age then, was like, I'll just use this celebrity profile to spread positive messages and that will be enough. And then as I I was fortunate that I did get some big roles and so I have a following in the video game world and I'd host a show. So blah, blah, doesn't matter. Right, no. Point That's is important, that though. It is for what I wanted to right. do. You had a... You used it at a as a in means to an end, like you yeah. had a plan. Hundred percent. It was right. never about me. It was about who's out there that might hear that message because they've heard of right. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happened though was it had been a few years of doing this, and it felt it lacked integrity mm-hmm. for me. There was a lack of integrity, and in that it's all good and well for me to talk and say all this, but what am I actually doing to change the system? Right. So that's where mm-hmm. it got to a point where I wasn't okay just volunteering. I wasn't okay just encouraging others to volunteer with me. I wanted to get in and look at the problems that I was seeing because I had this really unique, what I sort of looked at, I did an audit and I was like, I have a very unique situation here. I look like I belong in Beverly Hills. So right. I can walk into those rooms and ask for you know, time, energy, money, focus. Right. But I can also go down to, down to South LA and I know those people. I know the cops. I know um, the world down there. I know where to go, where not to go. And because of something else that happened to me, which is how we met, mm-hmm. I lost all my hair in mm-hmm. 2007. And that was the key to connecting with the lower income community. That was the piece that I'd been missing was for so long they looked at me and like, you don't know what we're going through. You don't get it. You don't know what it's like to have a hard time. None of them knew I'd been through 12 years of anorexia and abuse as a child because that's not something I walk in and be like, hi, I'm Georgia. I have no hair, you know, like whatever. I just don't do it. But when I could drop in that I'd lost my hair, that's a much easier in for Mm. them to be like, oh, she does get what it's like to have a challenge. Yeah. So that turned everything. So it really was this thing of going, okay, I am so fortunate to have had the challenges I've had, but also to be given the weird genetic makeup that I can walk into these rooms and do both. And I could not for one second turn away from that beautiful opportunity to make something of this moment. And that's just, it's just grown into so many more of those where now that I have feel confident in that mm-hmm. and I feel very confident in my understanding. I love learning. I love data research, neuroscience, wow. social. I've got my master's in leadership and global sustainability to really know that I have some basis in this. And then it was like, okay, let's look at the systems. Let's look at the solutions. Let's look at what's not happening. And if anyone will say anything about me, I do not take no for an answer. So (laughs) when it comes to my people who have no voice, I will never stop being their voice. So now it's kind of like, oh, you let me in because I have blonde hair. Now try and shut me up. Right. I love that. You're a little spitfire. I hope so. So you've been (laughs) doing, this has been over 10 years for sure, right? 13 and a half. 13 and a half. Wow. Now, I mean, really that journey switched and in 2007, it started, that's when my hair fell out. Right. That's when it really started all, I was like, okay, now it's all falling into place. Right. Why I did stand up for eight years to be able to make jokes about the things that people don't want to talk about. So being able to make it comfortable. Now when I have to talk, I'm like, oh, you mean I don't have to tell jokes? I just have to speak. (laughs) So you were were a stand-up comedian? I was a stand-up comedian. You were in LA? Hilarious, yeah. Oh, I didn't know know. that. Yeah, well, no, people don't, (laughs) Uh, which is probably a good thing. No, no, but there's videos out there. If you can do that, you can do anything. Well, that's 
mean, it's the most incredible yeah. ground, like learning space for challenge in life. a public. Yeah, yeah, it's a microscope on life. Because when it works, it's amazing, and when it doesn't. It's, it's amazing horrible. in a different way. Yeah, but you are so right, Jesper, that when you get up there and you fail, quote unquote, I don't believe in that right. word, unless you're working out like clearly you do. Oh, uh, no. But <laughs> <laughs> that's there's failure in working out because yeah. that's a technical term. But other for me, failure is just doesn't exist. Right. And when you're on stage and you get no laughs, you get two choices. You either get defensive <laughs> or you go, what didn't Fuck I do? This. Yeah. yeah, what? am I missing? And it was just learning things like, cause I'm a marathon runner, knowing that if I'd run a marathon, I was going to suck for the right. next week because my adrenaline was going at such a like, that <laughs> yeah. there was just no pauses. There was no breaks. People were like, I can't keep up with you lady. <laughs> wow. So. Well, that was a great training ground, but I guess what would be the one site right now? If people wanted to contact you, if they yeah, wanted to, good to question, um, Probably the best site is either artsbridgingthegap.org okay. or myfullname.com. But an easy way to remember it is girlfromdownunder.com. It also takes you straight there. Oh, so. Girlfromdownunder.com. Yeah. I love that. I was innocent when I chose that domain. Many people have explained <laughs> to me why it probably wasn't ideal since. So when was the first time that you experienced Skid Row, Georgia? Ah, uh, yes. Let's get to the real stuff. Um, and, so, and what took you there? Like, what was that? Yeah, um, I was so fortunate. It's one of those beautiful things where I didn't know really what I was getting into. I'd always wanted to understand it. But being young, people like, stay away. You shouldn't go there. Oh, that silliness that people tell people. Downtown um, L.A. Yeah. And, God, it's hysterical now when I think about, like, I'm there pretty much every day now. Um, and I walk around and whatever's. But um, I went on a 2010 Thanksgiving down there. Mm. A friend of mine had the tickets yes. to go yeah. down and do the LA mission thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he brought me cause he knew that I was doing a lot of volunteer work and he said, well, and he kind of wanted to date me. So <laughs> he was like, perfect. I'll show her my film. I'll even go to Skid side. Row for her. Right. Wow. I mean, to be fair, I've seen him there a few times since. So it was complete. It wasn't completely lacking integrity, but I think it was a pretty good hook for me. To be fair, I may have gone on a few more dates just because I was impressed. But I went down there and did the whole food service thing, which ironically now that's the one day where I feel the least compelled to go down there Mm -hmm. now because everybody and their mom is down there. there. Yeah, Yeah. Christmas and Easter. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Christmas, Easter and Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, yeah. One of the things I always try and do, I always go the day after Thanksgiving and the day after Christmas, but I also encourage people to think about that. Like, it's all good and well for you to do this one day of a year, but what about tomorrow? Right. These people still need love, connection, and really they don't need food. They get more food food. than kids in South LA. Right. Um, What they need is to know that you care about them Mm -hmm. beyond the day that makes you look good on social media. Right. Is the truth. Well, and that brings me to this whole discussion. You know, ironically, as an actor, and this is something John brought up to me, I play homeless characters in my whole career. I play drug addicts, uh, homeless people, any version of that or whatever. And it's interesting because it's always the Hollywood's version of the homeless guy, Mm -hmm. which is, you know what that looks like usually. I've got the long hair and the dirtiness and all that. But one thing we wanted to highlight on this uh, group of shows that we're going to do is we're going to show all the different faces of homelessness mm-hmm. that are happening right now from from Skid Row to the working homeless mm-hmm. to this whole epidemic in LA right now, which is probably other cities where you have the, it could be you or I living in our car right now and nobody would know because we have a job we we shower at the gym. We we have our Equinox membership, yeah. and you know we're hanging out at Star, Starbucks during the day. And so the 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 face of homelessness has definitely changed from five ten years ago. Um, what do you what do you think it is about LA in particular? I mean, I think I have some ideas of, with entertainment industry and people coming here, but it's just such a broad subject to try to talk about because it's changed from just the skid row now to the the working homeless. Yeah, and I think you're so right, Jasper, and it, it's impossible to 
qualify and quantify now because it is so diverse. Right. I think a solution if it was this is, you know, 10, five years ago, it was mental ill health and drug addiction. Right. That was homelessness mm-hmm. and we were battling those issues. Now it is, you know, the highest growing population is 60 plus. Mm, seniors. It's, yeah, it's the seniors who cannot work mm. and they're living in and their And can't afford housing. Yeah, they can't afford much of anything and unfortunately if you think about it, soon their registrations is going to be up, insurance, things mm-hmm. like that. So the cars that they're living in are only temporary. Right, right. And so no one would look at a grandma and go, oh that's, you know, oh bloody homeless. Right. Like that's not there's a, in a way I'm enthused that the broad spectrum of what homelessness looks like is expanding, expanding so that people's empathy. the mm-hmm. cliche. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate the word cliche, but stereotypical face of homelessness. Yeah. Yeah. It has been, but it's also dev- devastatingly terrifying when you think about it this way that people always sort of say, you know, oh, people who are mentally ill well or, you know, <laughs> ill health or whatever are, are homeless and they're all crazy. I keep on trying to have people hear that you may not start with a mental illness, but if you become homeless, you're going to get one You'll end really up with fast. Yes. It's the Be- tax of poverty. It's absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Poverty causes mental ill health in a mm-hmm. way that a lot of people don't consider. If you were living on the street and you never got silence, that causes neurotoxicity right. in such a, like, damaging Devastating. way. It really, um, sorry, neural toxicity. I said neuro and I'm like, that's because I was talking about JW and I just went with it because we didn't <laughs> yeah, really know. Thank you. <laughs> Sounded good, didn't it? But yeah, I, for those that are listening, it. like that neurotoxicity, that's what happens for with you smart people listening. <laughs> to yeah. be Don't write neural, me. like as in brain right. tech neural toxicity. Pathways. Yeah. Yes, yes. It really does, you know, if you're getting bus sounds and people yelling at you and you're trying to sleep mm. and you don't sleep and you don't properly sleep anyway for days after days after days, that's a recipe for mental ill health right. within a week. Yeah. So I think it's really hard to say it starts with one or it starts with the other. And there's families and kids and that's what you're yeah. tapping into. There are so many working mothers that are working yes. that have a job, but they cannot afford to keep their children in any sort of home. Um, and the saddest, most devastating thing about, like, all of this is sad, but the part that I watch and I go, how do we solve this, is we've empowered a generation of women to leave abusive husbands, but we haven't provided them a safety place net. Place to go. Exactly. So for the first generation mm-hmm. ever, women are standing up and going, I'm not going to stay in this house because I'm getting beaten, but my alternative is the street where, and this is when it gets super dark, if I move down to Skid Row, which is what everyone tells me to do because that's where the services are, if I move down there, the minute I move in, I'm in gang-owned territory, mm. which means that I have to barter for my space. And you can guess what a young woman is bartering with. So she's just gone and left her abusive husband and now is We're Into another to... worse situation. Yep. What about the way? children? Well, and the children watch, they see it, they know. There's many stories about little kids being in cars while things are happening in the front seat. All that sort of stuff because, and these, this is where I, like, I do love humans, but it's really hard to love Mm. a gang member who is coming down, doesn't live on Skid Row. He comes down to do his business every day and that's his business with these poor, poor people. Well, when you mentioned earlier about working with the LAPD, I'm, I I know they're on overload as it is, but there they there are units that are just working in Skid yeah. Row, right? So- There's a Dion Joseph, the officer, the senior lead officer, is kind of the celebrity downtown of LAPD, and you know it's crazy to think what if he leaves? Like I just can't imagine that. It's like being, being the sheriff of a, a, a separate city. Yeah. Sent City is really like does, its own little world. Does he run the Hope Team? Uh, he is the Hope Team down okay. there um, in a way, but it really is a one-man band. Mm. Um, he's got a couple of officers, but he's so respected and loved down there and he's this imposing-looking figure, but he gets it mm-hmm. and he loves those people and he knows all of them and he's angry. Mm. He's so disappointed mm-hmm. in the way that this is going in the system. He's so furious about the new prop that – um, released criminals are back onto the street because he's seeing them dropped off 
at Skid Row and starting their cycle again. You know, he it's people like him. There's Sergeant Ganey here in Hollywood who started her own, essentially, a hope team. I, she told me the acronym on Friday, but... Just last Thursday night, she and I are 6 o'clock at night sitting there, pulling it apart, trying to work out. She's telling me stories, and she tells our kids the stories of going into encampments that she has these relationships with and saying, hey, do you want to buy, like, do you want some lunch? And they're like, fuck off. You know, and she's trying to help help Mm -hmm. and trying to stay positive, and she does. She's just this resilient human being. But I've tr- I'm trying to build empathy for all of our community stakeholders because the LAPD, you know, you've got Shannon trying to do everything. She walks at night through there in her time off. She's living in an wow. RV up in Hollywood wow. and walking the streets so that she can understand it and really get to the crux of the issue. And she's being told to piss off, you know, wow. by people because of their hurt. There's right. nothing about mm-hmm. them. And then you've got Dion down town who's the brother of two women I think and got this great mother and he is devastated that because of the new law that you can't enter a tent without a warrant he can be standing outside a tent knowing that a woman's being raped and because she's not crying for help because she has to do it because she needs her spot there he cannot do anything and he keeps saying you really think that like you want to accuse me of being heartless and not and I got like, how do I keep coming back every day knowing that those women... And the di- kids are down there, too. Yeah. Well, what do you think about uh, Mayor Garcetti and his effort to... I know that's controversial. Oh, it is. It's so challenging. It, um, yeah, sorry, it seems I overwhelming. I mean, I don't know what... How, where. It's almost like, where do you start? Like, how much money and who's going to control it and then... Yeah. Which organizations are, you know what I mean? It's, we have so many different thoughts, so many different approaches. I hear them all. I think all of them have a lot of validity. I feel sorry for him. He, I think he's such a great orator and he's such a great speaker and he's a real visionary in his thoughts. I'm just disappointed in the actions. Action. Big time. And what I think his biggest mistakes was declaring he was going to end it. Yeah. And he was, did it, you know, one year and then the next. And kept on shifting the time back. And he's got, you know, I think working in public policy, you have so many shackles on you. Bureaucrats. But I just, I'm sorry. Like, I really like the man. I walked the streets with him and did the homeless count the first year he was in office. So I, it was me and four other people. So I've had time on the Spent street with, with him. him. And I really liked what I saw then. And I haven't seen anything since. Right. And I know he's continuing his efforts and I know now he's moving on to his new campaign. But I, and I don't know if we're all talking about that, but it's pretty obvious to me. Um, But nonetheless, I really think there's different thoughts that have gone on. United Way is having a lot of success um, at messaging and getting changes made. But I... I really am pondering the newest thing that, so I'm doing a lot of work on community engagement, education and acceptance. They're really like tearing down the Mm NIMBYism because we just can't afford to do it. We just absolutely, there's no reason, no bad, like you can only improve your life by removing it from your mindset. Regardless, Shannon had this sort of approach, the officer, which I actually think she's right onto something is that when you look at sustainable development and social change, you've got two responses. There's the long-term problems and then there's the immediate disasters. And we've been for a very long time looking at this like it's a long-term problem. We need to get into the system and fix it. And I think that there's some really great organizations out there that understand the system and are getting to the bottom of it. But the point is we've gone beyond that. We're a disaster. Right. We really need to actually just declare a national disaster emergency emergency for a year and Mm -hmm. say, you know, Shannon was like, what do we got? We've got CSUN University, everybody. We're putting them in there and we've got your mental ill health over there. We've got your drug addiction over here. Mm -hmm. We've got your Mm -hmm. able to work. Great. We're going to use you and have you be. And I think that there's a lot to be said for that. Mm -hmm. Why don't we just get in there and do rapid response something for a month, two months, three months to try and cut down this flow? No, on the federal level, is there any fun? Well, I won't get into politics mm. about 
Trump or whatever, yeah. but regardless of who's in the White House, how much federal funding does a city like L.A. get for any kind of a homeless help? We, I mean, yeah, we all get something, but it's but it's really not measurable to the disaster, to the actual need. Yeah, and I think that you know we've done a lot of good in um, Los Angeles with raising the money and the awareness with Prop HH and right. Measure H. That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's not enough, enough, and it's not fast enough. Right. Yeah. Um, it certainly helps 10,000 apartments in 10 years when we have 58,000 and growing and a real estate vacancy of under 2%. It's just not yeah. going to cut it. Um, so there is a thing of the, the federal thing for me, I've come up against it so much. The, um, the housing authority, which is a federal, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's, that system is completely broken. broken. Yes. Like most federal programs. Yes. That's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're talking about de- declaring an, it's almost like a natural disaster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then are there other metropolitan cities? You know, for years, New York City had the horrible reputation of the homelessness. And for some reason, Giuliani got this like pat on the back that he cleaned up the homelessness in New York. Now, I know you've gone to New York many times. I mean, it it did change a lot there. And again, do we know what programs they did? Or, or I well, mean- here's a two sided answer. They built more shelters, mm-hmm. and they had rapid housing shelters. So we don't know long term how much better, but we did see that they. I mean, it, the there was an optical, is, yeah, illusion made though, but yeah. and they. But to me, I'm like, that's a great first start. If we know where they are, if we know where these humans are and we're put, giving them a bed, at least we have contact with them. Right. For me, um, a lot of my work, not to pivot it off, but no, to sure. answer that question, is I think when you give someone a roof, you show them value. Right. You show them worth, mm-hmm. even if they don't know it and they're confused and they're simply getting it off the street because they live in New York and they're going to freeze to, to death, death if they don't, which is why when people like the numbers of homelessness in New York have always been higher until recently, but in LA people can sleep on the street. Mm-hmm. So our numbers on the street have looked worse, but the numbers, are, it's confusing. Yeah, now yeah. we've taken over regardless. We have more. Um, hooray. Aren't we proud right. of ourselves? Isn't so that's the go sheltered team go. versus unsheltered. unsheltered. Yeah. Homeless. So we have the highest number of unsheltered, unsheltered. by a long way. Yes. And what I'm trying, I, I, none of us know we have the answer, but I believe that there's a secret spot that we're not getting. And if I can use this moment on this microphone to Please talk do. about it, I will. Yeah. It is the sense of community value that we could give these human beings to start the process of them accepting help. Right. Because there's so many service providers out there that can give different levels of help. And if there was more people going in and asking for the help, there would be the greater need to provide the caseworkers. We're in this really messy catch-22. There's not enough caseworkers out there in the field. So there are people that are waiting three to six months to – they get their ticket, they go to the coordinated entry system, and then they wait. And then that message perpetuates their belief that they don't matter and they go back out to the street. Like you were saying in the beginning with kids. It's it's the cycle. Yeah. But if there was more people being willing to accept the help, Mm -hmm. there would be a very clear message that we need more caseworkers. Now, there's a job fair tomorrow Mm -hmm. in the Valley for to use this Prop HH money, Prop HHH money. Oh, no, sorry, Measure H money. Um, (laughs) Prof. HH is the housing, Measure H is for the services. Uh, The Measure H uh, money needs to be spent. So they're doing these job fairs. They're spending all the money on hiring people in positions that aren't doing the work. And I don't mean to be judgmental. I don't know all the details, but we need case workers. Mm -hmm. That's what we we need. Human beings saying, I care. I'm listening. I'm here. What do you need? And I'm going to fight on your behalf. I'm not going to just take your number and call you in three months. I'm going to care enough to follow you and be, you know, 
it, it would be my dream that if a police officer comes across a person on the street experiencing homelessness, that they say, "What's your name? What's your caseworker's name?" Right. Mm-hmm. So that there's a relationship there, there's there a that they can connection. approach that person as a whole person right. that needs help because that's what they are. Right. And so it's this belief that I have that if we start educating people that are housed about how they can give love, value, and worth to those neighbors that are not housed, that that message will start shifting. So I've been saying for a long time, doing something as simple as doing a citywide approach on creating volunteer days where people wrap bottles of water in labels that say where you can get help. First top of it saying, Mm -hmm. you matter to us. Here's three places that you could get some help. And so when you drive up to an off-ramp or an on-ramp and there's someone there and you, instead of averting your eyes because you don't want to give money or you don't know what to do, you hand them one of your water bottles that you wrapped at an Mm. event or that you did a family wrapping thing Mm -hmm. and you look them in the eye and say, here's this, because we shouldn't be giving food. If I could say one thing, do not give food. When you give food, it is just cycling through this thing of I'll stay on the street because I'm getting fed. But if I get water... about giving money? Nope. That's another misnomer, right? No water, no food. There is always a place that someone can get food and we don't know where that money's going. And until somebody is getting the help, support and Mm -hmm. uh, rehabilitation that they need, that money is most likely not going to a place that's helping them. I don't want to judge all. No, no. I think that's a great point. So So if people were to ask you what... Should we give them, like you're you're saying, give them the information to... Yeah. Now, what if you're dealing with someone who can't read it or doesn't have access... Cell phones say, or how, yeah. how do people get in contact with these services? So there's levels of care that people want to offer. Right. I would say, number one, make eye contact. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing you can do tomorrow to make a difference for a human being. Make eye contact, say, hi, how are you? How You know, it's always a messy one. I always yeah. say, how's your day going? And then right. I'm like, that's probably not a great question. <laughs> yeah. But Everything's least, relative. You know, and right. sometimes they give you a great answer. Mm-hmm. But I genuinely mean it when I ask. So. Right. The first thing is treat this person like a human being. With dignity and respect. Absolutely. You do not know what that might do for them. It might be the turning point. They were just, they were on that cusp of giving up. And then because you looked in the eye and said, hi, what's your name? Mm. They don't give up and they take that offer at St. Joseph's. So they take that offer at a a pantry to Mm -hmm. get more help. So don't think that saying hello is small. Right. It's huge. When you drive up and they're asking for help, smile and wave and say, have a good day or right. have a better day. Don't give them anything, but show them that you care. That's like easy. Basic. That's the basic stuff. The next one might be saying, you know, if you see someone on the street that you've seen a little bit, I wouldn't recommend this for an on-ramp, off-ramp. You right. just don't have enough to judge. But if it's a regular rapport. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you walk down that alleyway every day and you see Even that Hollywood guy. Boulevard. Yeah, Holly, and you know that face yeah. and you've seen mm-hmm. them enough to know that your safety is also important. Right. So you don't know if they're having an episode or something. Yeah. But if you feel confident, say, you know, my name is Georgia, um, you know, I've seen you around. What can I do to help you? Mm-hmm. Just ask it. Like, what What do you yeah. need? Right. And they might say, I don't want anything. Totally understand. I hope you don't mind if I say hi occasionally. I'd really love to get to know you a bit better. Just something like you might say to somebody who you were thinking about right. or caring about. If they say, I re- you know, I haven't had a house for ages, say, mm. totally understand. Do you know about the coordinated entry system? Okay. Just start educating yourself first right do some reading like what Mm -hmm. are some of the services available stay away from any of the food kitchen pantry things there i'm we're all trying to kind of max them Mm -hmm. out of Mm -hmm. existence they're really important if they come with wraparound services i don't there's very few left there's very few handout places because everything should come with a what now right you know, yes, food is the first step to those, and it's a great way to get people in. But then this conversation is, you know, and that's another thing you could do. If you really want to feed that person, if they do look really thin 
and you're like, you know what, this person isn't getting the use of nutrients all the f- or anything. Nutrients. Take them to lunch. Right. Mm-hmm. Sit with them. Buy them lunch and sit down and ask them questions. The greatest thing you could do for your world is build a friendship for yourself with somebody that everyone else has given up on. I guarantee your life will never be the same. Right. You will never understand what was missing in your life until you make that friendship. Mm-hmm. And I'd. I don't mean to be self-facing, but bottom line is everyone listening thinks about themselves first. We all do. So you just don't know what you're missing out on. And then you also don't know what might be possible. I now know that AO over there on Vine and Willoughby believes he died at 10 years old. He thinks he's buried at this doorway that they're about to put a gate up against because they don't want him to sleep there anymore. And I was able to walk into that company yesterday and explain that to them and say, if you're going to do that, please allow me to paint some sort of memorial at the bottom of that doorstep Mm -hmm. and I will speak to A and explain to him that we've allowed his body to move on or something because – One, you don't know what he's going to do to your gate. He's schizophrenic. And in that moment, if you block him from what he believes is his burial place, who knows? And who are we to judge that? Well, just the fact that there are so many untreated, mentally ill Mm -hmm. patients, people on the street speaks to just a small part. But one of the main problems to start with is these people should be being taken care of by society to begin with. But they're thrown out onto the streets. And we've seen all the footage on on TV where the county hospitals will take people, they can only keep them for so many days, and then they put them back out on Skid Row. So it's like a, it's a never-ending cycle. And then people will also say this, you probably hear this, well, a lot of them want to be there. They don't want help. They really prefer being on the street, you know, and then it, it would, yeah. you know. So it, it's a deeper, you know, it's one of those unfortunate things where you almost have to triage and say, mm-hmm. am I really, and this is, this is going to sound cold. So let me step back and say, I believe that nobody doesn't want help. Right. You, what you're seeing is a 50 year old man who's never, ever, ever had someone follow through on a promise. Right. And so if you ask him if he wants help, God, no, he doesn't want help because he doesn't want to be disappointed again. Again and again and again. Exactly. And you wouldn't too. Like I say it to all of these people who ask me about my communities I work with. Oh, they're lazy. They never ask for things. They're like, well, if you'd got no your entire life, Mr. Precious Beverly Hills, you get no once and you go home and cry to your right. mom. Like what about 300 times a year? Yeah. So – these people are just trying to protect themselves from another hurt. Right. So there's that. But then there is a reality of, am I really going to be able to change the belief system of a 60-year-old man who's been homeless for 20 years? We need to triage a little bit and say, look, that person is really damaged. We can do so much and we can love on that person. But let us start with the mums and the women and and the younger the children. children and the young men. I don't want to just say it's just women, but the younger, newerly homeless individuals that haven't had that years of programming, programming. and abuse and yeah. disappointment and just life beating them down. Absolutely. And let's talk about another population that a lot of people aren't talking about. What about the... 70% of people that are living paycheck to paycheck Paychecks. that mm-hmm. next month could be homeless yes. if we're not addressing them now. Yes. Or the ones living in the hotels. Yeah. You know, the you were talking about some women who leave and they, they can, they're working and they have kids. A lot of people saw the Dateline special that was on a yeah. couple of months ago. Um, and they showed a particular mom and her kids and they just kind of hotel surf around LA or whatever but even on that episode they talked about the violence Mm -hmm. because these are not nice hotels so when I'm saying these are motels but Mm -hmm. these are not great areas or whatever but that that's a whole subset of homeless or the people who are living in rundown motels but that some people would say well that's a step up from tent city but it doesn't it sure really matter. Is, but does it, you it know, is pr- it great? No. Yeah, exactly. We're still not addressing why they're there to start with. Yeah, and we're also, in my opinion, not addressing the simple fact that you have to, like, 50% 
of Americans are $300 away from not having the money to pay. Like if they had a $300 One emergency, emergency and it's over. And they couldn't do it. So it's not like this is some tiny subset that we don't understand. And no. I think most of us know what it's like. Most of us could say, you know what, I had that week or I had that year where every penny counted Every week I was like, am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? And I guarantee you, none of us were thinking about getting a big promotion or like (laughs) buying that new thing that was going to lift us out of poverty. All you were thinking was don't hurt yourself. Don't have a car crash. Don't drop that thing. Don't lose your job. Like you're only thinking about how do I stay okay. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And if you've got children who are running around and so people see – you know, the mothers who are experiencing homelessness and they're yelling at their kids or they're like getting irate, you'd be so terrified Mm -hmm. in that moment. You've got children running around with needles on the ground. You've Mm -hmm. got all of that and you're already lacking sleep. You're malnourished. And it's it's just this thing of like, let's start first thing. Let's take all of our judgment out and just listen. Right. Mm -hmm. To these women who are trying to do their best, yes, maybe they got pregnant in a situation that's an ideal. Yes, maybe they married someone that they probably shouldn't. You know, it's like, oh, okay, good, but now what? What? Yeah. They're human beings who are hurt and they're in danger and we have more than we could ever need in our lifetime if we never got another thing tomorrow. Right. Let's start sharing. Well, yeah. to me, that's what's so... Um even sadder about a city like LA that has such enormous wealth. Mm -hmm. You know, the country itself is already becoming like the have and the have nots, but LA in particular with the cost of living and the rents, there's really no middle class here, which is symbolic of what's happening in the country of there's the, the wealthy and the poor. I mean, there's, but even like, I don't remember what the median income level is to be considered poor now, but in it's, the I mean, poverty line two years ago when I did my swim to raise awareness about poverty was for a four-person family. It was, uh, oh, my gosh, uh, 23,860. 23,860. Yeah. Um, and that was two years ago for right. a four-person. Can you, four people no. living on 23,000 for an entire year? No. No. When no. you consider the median house price for a one, for a rental for a one-bedroom is one thousand six hundred easily right that's like yeah and i'm playing devil's advocate because this is when people find out i was going to do these series of shows some of the response was well they should just leave la there's much cheaper places to live twenty four thousand dollars in kansas will buy you you know they can go to detroit and buy a a trailer there you know what i'm saying You, Mm -hmm. you hear this all the time and i'm like well not every these people are in a situation they can't even pick up and move to Kansas if they wanted to. Yeah, how are they going to walk? You know, it's kind of, there's these questions I have. You know, one of my buddies who just got her own apartment, she doesn't have the money for an ID. So if someone told her, and and, I mean, I want to bring her onto the show, but I was going to bring her, she's in hospital right now getting Mm. her teeth done, which is so exciting because she's finally able to afford doing that. But we're writing a children's book about homelessness together because she has two kids. I'm so excited. Patience. I'm going to see her tomorrow. But, um, you know, for her, she can't get an ID and she's from uh, the Midwest and she's hoping she'll get to go back there for Christmas. But something other people should understand is, Actually, unfortunately, a large number of our population experiencing homelessness aren't from here. They get sent here. Now, you could judge that too and be like, well, why did you come here? What do you mean by that? So a lot of the other cities in America send their newly homeless population out here. Why? They will actually pay for tickets. Because California oh, is a becoming, better place to be homeless. We're oh, becoming like wow. known for. We are. We're. It's oh this really big problem. So I have a lot of you know empathy towards the city of Los Angeles who are dealing with this influx. If you look at the percentage, there's a huge percentage that are only been in California for less than a year. And it is because the weather, Weather. it's because of the services. Services. We're Mm -hmm. dealing with this in a more inclusive, you know, way. But here's where people are like, well, then they shouldn't come. They're so 
afraid. They don't know what to do and they go and ask for help and that service provider says, we'll give you a ticket to LA. Oh my God, they I help. never knew this. Yeah, and so they do that just to offload the problem because they don't have the resources and they Where think they we are, do. And they think they're actually helping, sending yeah. them to a quote, better place. And they don't know about the gang problem on Skid Row. You know, but then you also like, it gets deeper. The, uh, the prison system, when they let women out of prison, they bust them down to Skid Row at two o'clock in the morning and drop them off there. Yeah, I mean, these are, they have this on videotape. People, yeah. We see it all the time. So. There's an incredible nonprofit. A man has his bus that is waiting for the women when they get dropped oh. off, and he provides, you know, female health products mm. and advice and like hair care wow. and all Starting that sort of stuff. I want to have all these people on the show. Right. Yeah, I well, mean, we can help you with a bit of that. I yeah. mean, I'd love for you. I mean, Georgia, just know that you have an open invite. This is a platform now I want to share. So if there's any oh, thank time you. you want to come here and bring people and educate, I'm really. This well, I'd is love really, to bring patients. I would I think, love that because I think the more people homeless. can hear that for, and especially hear from people who are also li- walking the walk and living it, and that's why we want to also bring on, yeah, uh, like we're going to bring on Franklin mm-hmm. next week, someone who actually was homeless and used the services and was able to get himself out of that situation and is doing great now, just to show that. You can take advantage of the services yeah. and they do help you and you can get to the other side of it. So that's yeah. a, but in the meantime, I think people want to hear, like just now I'm blown away hearing that people are sending other, other cities are sending homeless people here Yeah, because it's become like a, a good place to be homeless. And you have to understand it. It is. Now, now it I know rain. my mind is blowing because yeah. when I think about it, that's, that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, okay. and, but then the problem is when we try and, you know, the big thing is why don't we build in Palmdale with all of these supportive housing? And mm-hmm. I, on the police side of it, when I talk to my police officers, they're like, my gosh, it's a house, like, take it, please. But then I also have empathy for the fact that this is a person that is so afraid of their life and they have no no one there and they've right. built a community here mm-hmm. or they feel safe here even though safe is a horrible picture. Mm-hmm. And they're just afraid. Right. So it really Fear. is how do, it's once again, I hate to say it, but it's that simple. Build up a sense of value, love, connection, mm-hmm. support, mm-hmm. treat those people better. And when these opportunities to move to a home in Palmdale, they might go, you know what? These people were so nice to me and they didn't know me. Maybe those people. Maybe will I can be. trust them. Exactly. I hate to make it so simple. Right. But I really think if the community of Los Angeles started smiling, started asking, yeah. started treating better, started stop, like stop writing, get those things off my lawn. Like, right. it's just, are you like, who's That's a the big inhuman one in now? Ven- Venice like, and Santa Monica, too, right? That whole, oh, the beach community. The NIMBYs. The NIMBYs. Yeah, That's, the okay. not in my backyard. Right. Yeah, the NIMBYism for. is yeah. huge. I mean, we've got it happening in, I think, the Sherman Oaks one was a couple of nights ago where the supportive housing, as you saw with the video I made, mm-hmm. supportive housing is beautiful. Right. It's a great, it's like any other apartment building, mm-hmm. but these people are fighting and angry yeah. and vitriolic because someone's bringing the homeless to us. They're there. They're, the homeless are in every community. What would you prefer? Do they have nowhere to go to the bathroom and have to go on your stoop? Right. Or do you give them an apartment mm-hmm. and treat them like a human, human? beings? So what do you think about bridge housing and them converting the parking lots into temporary housing? Well, I think that that is the closest thing we have to the New York approach. Of okay. Let's just give them something yes Mm -hmm. like at least and i'm sort of you know i'm like well if you put a whole lot of people experiencing mental ill health in a house they still have mental ill health right they're not treating the problem but at least if you like i said if you know where they are if you've shown them a sense of here's a home Mm -hmm. here's something safe here's a safer place for you to work out your stuff there's going you have to go into it knowing there's going to be issues like there will be fires there right. will be because people are still going to do drugs of yeah. sorts. Mm-hmm. There will be fights. These people are not doing well. Mm-hmm. Their chance. You have to know that. Build up the support around it. Have 
mindful security guards, yeah. have kind security guards, have caseworkers on site, then I'm all for it. Right. There's so many empty lots and buildings, buildings. that we could do that. I'm right. all for Shannon Ganey's, you know, disaster. Like, let's bring in the gurneys. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll camp out 24 <laughs> hours if it means they the get triage, love and yeah. focus mm -hmm. and get treated well. But mm -hmm. let's treat them like, you yeah. know, if, you know, hurricanes happen, people get yeah. support. Yeah. yeah, and that's a great analogy that you used at the beginning. This is uh, like a hurricane has hit. Mm -hmm. In the same yeah. way FEMA comes in and provides services unless you live in Puerto Rico. But that's a, mm. <laughs> but that's an example where the ball was dropped. Yeah. And so, yeah. well, listen, the time, I mean, we really need like three hours. I'm, I'm, so yeah, once this you is, get me started on this. No, no, but uh, <laughs> this is why, thanks to uh, JW, that we he really brought it to my attention and we... We made this pledge to each other that we're going to do this Thank ongoing you. series. And in, these shows are taped so we can do as many as we want. And mm -hmm. we can tape them whenever we want. And um, we've pledged that that's going to be a platform here. So thank you so much. Absolutely. I have and, many people to come onto your show. And we're going to post <laughs> um, on our Yeah, our pages social media. Mm -hmm. A lot of the links to the services yeah, that are available. Yeah, we've been posting on Facebook, on Twitter, Great. on Instagram, um, mainly on Facebook and Twitter. But I do want to give out a website, uh, the L.A. County Homeless Outreach Portal. What do you think about that, Georgia? Do you think that's a good solution? I, think, or? I mean... <laughs> It's it's a good start. Okay. It's a good start. Here's the thing. If you have internet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. You know, right. On your phone. Yeah. Right? Like a lot it. of people like don't pay for data because yeah. they can't afford it. Yeah. Um, it's a good start. Okay. And what that is is a new tool to get services to vulnerable residents living on the street. It makes it easier and more efficient for the public to request help and have it dispatched to connect That's homeless persons yeah. with outreach workers. And LASA, right? The LA Housing um, Homeless Services. Yeah, Authority, Homeless right? Service. Yes. Yeah. So, great. do you there's think there's enough of... outreach workers, or do you think that hiring um, these, more is going to help? With these that? job fairs are really exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm just really hoping I might go with patients tomorrow to suss it out a little bit, but I'm really hoping that what they're focusing on is the front facing services, uh -huh. not the back end. Right. Because right now we need people on the street asking, what do you need? Feet and on making the ground. It happen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's great that we're doing all of this. And I mm -hmm. think that outreach is really great. If you get the housed human being that's willing to advocate mm -hmm. that, in, mm. in part of me wants to just do like a citywide buddy system. Right. Oh, you want to help? Here's your friend. You want to help? Yeah. Here's your friend. Just because you're going to gonna ask the question Each person for has them. somebody. Yeah. And I've known a couple, there's a couple of people coming out of the woodwork that are contacting me to ask for help because they've met somebody. Right. When you make it personal, mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're willing to advocate and you watch the system. You go down to these things and you're like, whoa, hang on. Yeah. This is how this person's being treated. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's not okay because you have a personal connection you with that You see that person friend. is not just a homeless yeah. person. So maybe we well, should do at the very, buddy. Yeah, and at the very least, it just if listeners will go to some of these sites just to educate themselves yeah. mm -hmm. about what can be done and pla places yeah. that they can help and volunteer and... Um, so yeah, we'll, and we're going to keep that going. Yeah, because we have listeners all over the world. I mean, we have a lot in France, believe it or not, Jasper. Oh, I was we just do. Looking at the analytics. Oh, bonjour. S'il vous plaît. Yeah, I I'm took French for four years in high school. That's all I can say. <laughs> but you know, I, I hang out in a virtual community mm -hmm. that you know connects people from all over the world, right? And I was showing them videos of Skid Row, and they just couldn't believe. Couldn't they believe think it. it was like a third world country, and they're like, "This is Los Angeles." Mm -hmm. I'm like. This is Los Angeles, and they just were mortified. Yeah, it's just—it's unreal. It's it, our greatest shame. And the the other sad dichotomy is so much filming is done down in LA. I mean, for many many years, my my um, the way I associated downtown LA was when I would get a job mm -hmm. shooting something in downtown, it would be like down in Skid Row because I play these kind of characters or whatever. And it, for many years when I was first down there, I, w I actually thought these were extras in the beginning. Oh, like, goodness. I thought oh. they had created a set for us. And then they, I went back at, like six months later to sh shoot something and the AD was like, I go, God, well, these these extras are amazing. He's like, extras, you idiot? This is... <laughs> This is Skid Row oh, that wow. we've all... I mean, there are people... And I've been here 30 years. I mean, I know there are people listening who 
live in this city and don't even know that yeah. that exists. Take yeah. a walk. Yeah. I do once a month because I volunteer down there once or twice a week. But you're inside most of the time. And I just once a month make sure I take a good morning walk and just walk around and take make sure I in. don't for mm-hmm. one second forget what's going on. But at the same point, you see things, Jasper, that just break so your heart. heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, I there's one group that are a community. They absolutely love each other. And one day I was pulling out a, um, a volunteer day and they had a table out with balloons and streamers and it was someone's birthday and they were having a birthday party. Wow. For, and it just brings it home, mm-hmm. literally. Yeah. You're like, These are just people. This is their home. Yeah. yeah. This is where they get to do the things that we do. And there's no judgment about no that. No judgment. Well, you're just an amazing spirit. I swear Jeez. what you do is just phenomenal. And it, it radiates out of you. So mm-hmm. God bless you. Thank you so much. And if keep up the great work. And JW, thank you. Oh, always a pleasure. And thank everyone, you. thanks for tuning in. And uh, keep following us on social media. And we'll be back soon. And thanks for listening to One on One with Jasper Cole. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for checking out One on One with Jasper Cole. Check out past episodes and get the latest as they're released. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. Every legend is built. This one starts with a frame. We raised a great stature and gave it a name. The BMW X7. It's the biggest one yet. Fitting power and style, the best you can get. An all-leather interior, it's luxury shows. So we kept it right up for all of three rows. With its dynamic driving, you chase your desires. The true mark of this legend is how it inspires. The first ever BMW X7. Make every day legendary. Exceptional offers through BMW Financial Services at BMWNYC.com. BMW of Manhattan. Driven by more. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing new Firehouse Pairs. Pair your favorite small sub with a signature side, like the awesome five-cheese mac and cheese. And remember, a portion of every purchase at Firehouse Subs goes towards helping first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations only, Firehouse Subs would donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase.